Shalom Ubrahu, we are up to Moyed Katan Daf Vav. Today's Daf talks about the sugya, which we discussed on Daf Hey, about the Tumma in a base hapras. It also discusses how to remove Klaim and if Bezdin was Mafgir, Klaim fields, when to uproot Klaim. And we have a new Mishnah that discusses watering trees and fields on Cholamayid. According to Rabbi Meir, who was far more Megal. Now, as a continuation of yesterday's discussion, at the end of Daf Hay, the Gemara says that a field that was plowed over doesn't need to be marked. And the Gemara asks, it doesn't need any marking. We have a Brisa that says that if you find a field that has a marking, you still can't tell whether it was plowed, in which case, as long as you blow in front of you, you're allowed to, the Kayan is allowed to walk across because there's no tuma that's big enough to create tumas oil. Now we could assume that it was plowed if there are fe- if there are trees planted there, because then they plowed up the field to plant those trees. But if there are no trees, then we know that they lost an entire caver. Rabbi Huda says that we're not going to assume that it was plowed up until a zakin or a talmud tells us that it was plowed. Bottom line is, you see from here that you need some sort of a marking to assume that it was plowed. As soon as they would plow a field, they would mark it. Repuppa says that this Bryce was talking about a field where they lost their caver, they misplaced a grave, and immediately marked it. So here, if there are trees, then you know that they plowed. But if there are no trees, then we know that, that they lost the caver because they marked it, and we assume that they did not plow, it, plow up this field. The Gemara says, well, just because there are trees, who says that they plowed up the caver? Maybe they planted the trees outside, in the middle of the field, and there's a caver around the perimeter. The Gemara says that Ula Paskins, that the only place where someone would bury in Rishos Harabim is between trees. Therefore, if there are trees here, we know that it was plowed up in between and the caver is disintegrated. Okay, says the Gemara. Maybe the Tumah is inside, and there is a perimeter of trees. So there are two answers to this question. The first one is that there's not a straight line of trees in this field. So we can't say that, oh, there's a line of trees here, and then the caver was inside of this line. It was all mixed up throughout the entire field, so the entire field must have been plowed to plant these trees. The second answer is that we learned on Davheim Abayz that you do not place the marking, the tzion, far from the place of the tumah so that we will not, so, so that we won't lose area in Eretz Yisrael to tumah. Since this tzion is near the trees, we know that the tumah was plowed up with the planting of these trees. We have a general idea of where the tumah was based on the tzion. Now, if you had told us that you need a zakin or a talmud to tell us that this field was, plant, was plowed up. Otherwise, we're going to assume that there's a full caver somewhere here. Abayah says, we see from this halacha, from Rabbi Yehuda, that if there is a, even a young talmud chacham in a city, everything in that city goes through his psak. Next, Rabbi Yehuda tells us, 
if someone finds a marked stone, not like a little marker, because that's not going to be directly on the tumma, but a stone, which is big, explains Rashi, which is going to cover the entire tumma area, underneath this stone is tame. If there are two stones, then it depends what the area between it looks like. If the area between these two stones is covered in cement, then you know that that area in between is also tame. But if there's not, then only these stones are tame and not the area between them. Even, the Gemara says, even if this area in between the two stones isn't plowed, we're going to say it's tar? I will learn to that if someone finds one stone, it's tame. But two, then it depends. Only if the areas between them are plowed are we going to say it's tar. But if, if it's not plowed, then we say it's tame. How can you say that automatically the areas between two marked stones is going to be tar? Sir Papa explains the discrepancy. When the cement on the top of each one of these stones is crumbling and has fallen down in between the two stones, then if it was plowed, it's tar. Because then we're going to assume that the plowing of this field knocked off the cement. But if it wasn't plowed, then we're going to assume that the cement that's between these two stones was placed there to mark Tumah. Now, Raviyeshi talks about borders that are marked for Tumah. So if you have one border that's marked, so you have a, a one line straight that says that this area is Tumah, it has, has Tumah, then that border is Tameh, but the field is Tahar. Even if there's two or three borders, the borders are Tameh, but not the field within it. However, if there are four borders, then the borders themselves are Tahar, but the field within it, which these borders contain, is Tameh. Because the one, two, and three borders would not have been so far from the Tumah contained within. But if it's totally surrounded, then we're going to assume that the contents is the Tumah. Now, our Mishnah said that you're allowed to go out to Tackle all climb issues on Cholamoyed. The Gemara asks, wait, Cholamoyed is the time when they would go out for climb? I have a theory, because there's a, a Mishnah that tells us in Megillah that they would announce about climb and Shkolem on the first day of Adar. And on the 15th day of Adar, a whole bunch of things happen. The surrounded cities would lay in Megillah in the villages. They would fix up the streets. They would measure the mikvoys. They would do all the tzorchi rabim. They would mark kvarim. And they would go out for the climb on the 15th day of Adar, not on Chol HaMoyed. So we have two answers to explain why there were two dates. The first answer is there were two times to take care of the climb. One was for the early grains and one was for the late growing grains. The second answer is that one time is for trees and the other time is for vegetables. The early grains were on the 15th day of Adar. The late ones on Cholamoyed of Pesach. The grains was on the 15th day of Adar because those climate issues came before the vegetables which was done on Cholamoyed. Ravasi and Rebbechanan say that these dates were only when you couldn't see that climb was being done. It was being over. However, if, if, if Bezdin saw that there was actually climb going on, then they would go out whenever they saw it to uproot it, to get rid of it. Why would the Dafka go on Cholamoid? So Yaakov says in the name of Rabbi Yochanan that it was a cheap, it was, it was easier to find cheap wages to be able to find cheap work on Cholamoid because people weren't doing their own work on Cholamoid. Tesis explains that, you're, that they were allowed to accept wages because they were doing a mitzvah of preventing climb from existing. 
You see from here, says the Gemara, that they would pay these workers from the Chumas Halishka. From the extra money in the Chumas Halishka, they were able to use for whatever Bezdin needed. And they would pay people to be the agents to get rid of Klaim. Because if they would charge the people who were actually planting the Klaim, then who cares how much it would have costed to hire people. This is why they waited to, for Cholamayid to be able to save money from the Chumas Halishka. Now, how much climb needed to be planted in order for Bezdin to get rid of it? If there was one kav out of 24 sa of one type of a food, they would go in there and decrease that amount of climb. Ah, the Gemara says, wait, they would uproot it? We have a bryson that says that they would be mafka the entire field. The Gemara answers that there was a gazera. Originally, they would uproot it, but the people who planted it were just happy about that. It's like, oh, thank you. You just pruned my field and you... Fed it to my animals. It was a, that's a win-win. So they, so they, the Bezdin said, you know what, guys, uproot it and throw it into Rishus Rabim so his animals won't be fed. But the people who were over on Klein were still happy because they now had their f- fields pruned. They got declimbed for free. So instead, they decided to be mafka the entire field, which is a significant loss to the planters. And I think that they stopped paying them at that point because they were able to just take the fields that they were just mafka uh, in the name of Bezdin for themselves. Now we have a new Mishnah that says, Rebbe ben Yaakov holds, the more macham your opinion, that you are allowed to run water from one tree to the other. Because that's considered a base hashlachan over here. Two trees, they, w- they normally get water, they're not being watered, so you're able to have the water between these two trees, but you're not allowed to have this water go out into the rest of the, of the base haba'al, which would normally get water from Negeshamim. He also says that vegetables, which were not quenched. They weren't watered. Before Yamtiv cannot be watered on Yamtiv, on Chalamoyed. The Chachamim, who is in this case Rabbi Meir, say that both of these are mutter. You're allowed to water the entire base of Baal and you're allowed to water plants, vegetables, uh, grain, Zoram, that weren't watered before Yamtiv. The, the, in the Gemara of Yehuda says that if this is a field that is normally muddy and now it dried up, that also you are allowed to water on Cholamoyed because it will be ruined since it's normally used to that muddy consistency. We have a Brisa that says the same thing, that you are allowed to water muddy fields. It also says that you are not allowed to water a dry field on Cholamoyed. While the Chachamim matter it. Ravina says, you see from here, that if someone has a garden, he's allowed to sprinkle water on it on Cholamoyed. You see that since the Chachamim or matter watering a dry field, even though it's not going to be ruined, but it actually makes it better, so too you're allowed to take a garden and sprinkle it to make it better on Cholamoyed. Now we have a b'risa that says, there's a the grow, whether you are allowed to sprinkle water, you're not allowed to sprinkle water on a field that grows grain on Shemitah, you're definitely not allowed to sprinkle it on Cholamoyed. Frank the Gemara, we have a b'risa that says, exactly the opposite, that you are allowed to sprinkle water on on a grain field, on a stay lavan, on both Cholamoid and during Shemitah. So Rav Huna explains the discrepancy. One's Rav Eliezer ben Yaakov, who's Machmer, who says you can't, and the other one is Rabbanon, who says that you can. We have another Brayser that says, you're allowed to sprinkle water on a grain field on Erev Shemitah so that the vegetables will grow on Shemitah. This is clearly the Rabbanon. In fact, the Bryce that goes so far as to allow us 
to sprinkle water, to water a field, a grain field on Shemitah, in order that the vegetables should grow on Matzei Shemitah. The only thing that's not allowed is to water it on Shemitah for it to grow on Shemitah. Thank you for learning with me. Have a wonderful day.